0: We'll Man, I am excited about today. Today is Easter, and I'm not your normal uh, person. Some of y'all don't laugh yet. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. All right, I'm not your normal pastor. Um, I, there's a lot of times on days where people come to church to hear certain messages. Uh, God doesn't give me those messages. But today, he somehow uniquely worked it in. It's not the whole message. All right, well, we'll get to the tomb and the risen in just a minute. But we are going to start in a different place. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't, uh, it's going to be on the screen for you. Um, I have titled this, this sermon today, Stacking Stones. Um, and so I hope that we can grow together today in a way that what we learn We'll just take a foundation that we're about to establish, and we'll just keep building throughout the sermon to where when we leave here, we'll have stacked some stones together in our lives and have something that we hope we can look back on and pull from in this day. If you would, First Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 3. I don't know if anybody's been here this week, but this passage, verse 3, was quoted today or this week, and it says this, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you have. This is what he says. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Amen. How many knows that your faith will never result in shame? Never. We got a lot of things. Well, I'm going to put me. I ain't going to talk about y'all. Me. I've got a lot of things in my life I've been ashamed of. I've not been happy with. But not one time have I ever felt shame towards my faith in Jesus. Never one time. It has always been true and firm and amazing in my life. Amen? So no one will be put to shame. Next slide if you go with me. Seven, so the honor is for you who believe. Isn't that crazy? It's an honor for us to believe on Jesus. Amen. Like just to think about what heaven or what, what, what the cross did, what the tomb did, what the resurrection did, made a way for people who had no way. We were estranged from Jesus. We weren't part of the Israelites, so we had no covenant with him, but now we get it. And it's an honor to put my faith in him because look, I've tried for a very long time to put my faith in other things. I've put my faith in my job. i put my faith in my family. I've put my faith in myself. That is the worst place to put it. All right? Don't you ever walk around saying, oh, I'll get this. No, you won't. Not one time ever will you ever get it. I've put my faith in a lot of things, and I have messed up Tremendously. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Do y'all see some words that are popping out? Hopefully you can see. I've emboldened them for you, okay? If you don't see, move closer, all right? You can get a little closer. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. When we were in our sin, you couldn't help but disobey. There was no way for you to obey the word of God. You just couldn't do it. For we were not made alive yet. They said they were destined to do that. But you are a chosen race. I love this part. This is oh, this is so good. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, listen to this, once you weren't even a people. You weren't even a people. You were just sojourners, wanderers out there in the wilderness. You didn't have a people. But now, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I got to tell you, that is such good news for me. Like, I don't know, maybe y'all didn't need as much mercy as I did. You know, I, I, I had to have an inordinate amount of mercy to cover my life. But so for me, I stand here today with such awe of what God did in my life. And again, I know to the world this day, this celebration, this anthem of the day seems craziness. It doesn't even make sense. How could it? How could it? But once you've met this Jesus, not his people, because his people are sometimes terrible people, all right? Can we just be honest? Anybody want to be honest with me today? Like, not once you've met people that say they're Christians and not once you've met a church. Not, no, 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 no. Once you meet Jesus, okay? Because we can get it all kind of confused and think this person is Jesus. No, we just try our best to represent him and some of them don't even try anymore. <laughs> uh, we just, it's a, we, we don't even care anymore, right? But we are not him. I'm not him. My dad's not him. Your grandmother, grandfather are not him. But once you meet him, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it changes everything. Everything. Not some of the things, not like just a little bit of the things. We're talking all the things have completely been changed when you meet him. Amen. So I want to talk about this concept because if you look in this one passage that we've read, the word stone comes again and again and again. And the one thing I've learned about reading the Bible. Just a little hint, a little clue, a suggestion to you. If you're reading a passage and the same word keeps popping up over and over and over again, it might do you some justice if you would dig into what, okay, this maybe I need to pay attention to this. And so today I want to talk to you a few moments about a couple of other times that this word came up in Scripture because you need to understand if we go back to the beginning. Go back a couple slides for me, Caleb. Set, oh, one more. Go back. Yeah, yeah. He says that, listen to this, that Jesus is the stone. Jesus, listen, as you come to him, a living stone. So Jesus is the stone. So everywhere through scripture, you can just about find the representation of Jesus in the stone. And so, what I wanna do is, I wanna settle a few things. Let's lay some foundation real fast. And then, work with me, and we're gonna build, keep going through, and we're gonna to get to what I wanna call the physical or the natural meaning of the word stone. Keep going, jo- Caleb. Right there, all right? When you think of the word stone, you ever heard people say, write it in stone, put it in stone? Yeah. That means, hey, you put it there, guaranteed to happen, right? And so, a couple meanings we're gonna learn from today of the word stone that I want us to get in our head is sure firm, steadfast, strong, resolute. All of those qualities belong to Jesus. Every one of them. He is sure that you can't get any more sure than him. He is firm. He's unwavering in who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's not one thing about him that has changed from the beginning. And isn't that good? Like, don't you want to know someone who you can just count on being the same every time you come around them? Okay, we're going to stop right here for just a minute, Okay. Because I would love to be a person who no matter when you encounter me, I'm the exact same. I'd love that. You know, not, not one day. Ooh, he must, uh, he must have got pulled over on the way to church because he is not happy today. Okay. You know, and I don't know if you've ever met those people where when you meet them and you talk to them for that day, it's like something bad happened to them. Something bad happened to that dude because he is, he, there's no smiling, there's no joy. He comes in and he's, he's just negative all the time. Like, it's like, like. but I want to be the person who is firm and steadfast. Hey, you can't even tell the difference because I'm always singing the praises of Jesus. I'm always walking in faith, not by sight. That's how you walk in a way that people aren't watching you do this. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not that way yet. Not that I have ever achieved that but that's what I want to be. Because that's who Jesus is. Anytime you meet Jesus, he's the same every day. Anytime you come to him, same thing every day. Come here. I'll talk to you. I ain't mad at you. Come on. Amen? Amen. Strong. Oh my gosh. Strong. I ain't talking about physical strength. I'm talking about internal strength, the fortitude. To keep going when everything else is all against you. To keep walking up Calvary when they're beating you, spitting you, pulling your hair. All those things. He was strong. His flesh was failing, but his spirit was strong. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here need their strength in their spirit man today? Anybody need more strength in your spirit man? All right, there's a couple people. The rest of y'all are lying. That's fine. We'll get y'all saved by the end of the church. Um, resolute. 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 You know, here's a little bit of history. Maybe you know this because you've watched uh, the same movie I've watched, um, National Treasure. I don't know if anybody a big National Treasure fan. I love that movie. I don't, know if I, I don't know about y'all, but man, I love a good movie that you like following clues and it's like, yeah. And you almost, you think you got it all figured out before they get there and then you're wrong. So you're just like, I ain't gonna say nothing, nobody, no matter. But in this movie, they talk about this word. and Every time, every time I hear this word, that's where I go. That there were two desks that were built one that was given to America, right? And they're called the Resolute Desks, right? And it was to be a sign of the resolute spirit that we had when we started America to stay committed to our founding ideologies. So we did this and we just made it and now it sits in the White House. Something that stands resolute, something that stands to be the same everywhere you go, reminding you of the things that you've been through and the commitment you made against that day, right? And so understanding that Jesus occupies all of those characteristics. He is sure, firm, steadfast, strong, and resolute, amen? And that's what we're to do. But now we're gonna go to some passages of scripture where we see rocks, stones, that are used in ways that stones usually don't get used. And that's why it's so important to look at the words that was in that passage, that we are living stones. And Paul had used this verbiage before, and Peter is now picking up on it, when Paul talked about having a living hope. A hope ain't alive? That doesn't make any sense. He talked about a living word. Words aren't alive? That doesn't make any sense. And so we learn that when we say living, it's not actually talking about having breath or having the ability to move around, but it talks about the ability to be applicable in any circumstance. Like the hope, no matter what you're going through, it's living, so it fits what you need, right? The word is living, so whatever circumstance and situation you're going through, whether it be pain, addiction, all those things, there's a word that is living and breathing and can be applied to your situation. And so now we're going to look at some scripture. And the first time we come across the word stone in the Bible, so that's what I wanted to go to, the very first time. When did a stone make an appearance? If you go with me to Genesis chapter 28, I believe it's the next passage. Yes, it is. Genesis chapter 28, we read about a stone that does something that that we, it doesn't make sense to use a stone for, right? Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. So he's he's tired, he's exhausted, he is, he's ready to go to bed. And what does he reach for? A stone. a stone to use as a pillow. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I don't even like my bed to be hard. Okay, like I, I like a soft bed kind of gives with you a little bit, so you know it fit. I got back problems. I got to have a soft bed, okay? tempur where it's at, all right? Maybe y'all don't like tempur that's fine. Sleep number, whatever you want. But I like my bed to be soft. Not only that, I need soft sheets, Dan. I need real soft sheets, real soft sheets. So when I lay on them, I'm like, yes, this is nice, right? I can feel comfortable. And we went the other day, me and my wife bought brand new pillows. Don't know why the pillows I had was okay, you know? But she's like, no, I want them fluffy, right? You know, And hers are down, so I'm just like, man, we're really going out today for these pillows. Oh. And in my head, I almost pulled this scripture from her because I don't know about if y'all have ever bought pillows before, <laughs> but you would not think a pillow would be this expensive. Exactly. You know what I mean? 40, 50 bucks for a pillow. I'm like, I don't even need it. Mm-mm. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna go get a stone like Jacob. You know what <laughs> mean? I mean? I almost pulled that out for her. I was like, hey, look, honey, he did it, Okay. <laughs> Oh, why you're spending $100 on pillows when I got a full yard of stones we could just go get, okay? Because here's the thing. This, this stone that was used as a pillow, it not only gave him a little bit of rest. I don't know if you know anything about the human uh, person that sleeps. Uh, you don't usually have dreams unless you've entered into a pretty deep sleep, Right? And what happened when he grabbed that stone and used it as a pillow, he not only slept, but man, he dreamed. So, so somehow this hardened substance, I'm, I got, got some for you, right? Because I, I know I'm a, I'm a picture. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. I got some stones for you. This is the softest one that my sister brought me today. And, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, wanting to really get into character this morning. So I took them in my office and I laid this on the ground. And yeah, you got it. I laid down and put my head on it. And I was thinking, I wonder how bad this really is. One, it's really bad. It is not comfortable at all, okay? There's nowhere to put your head when it's like, okay, that's it. That's the money spot. No, you can't find it. But Jacob did. And Jacob laid this thing down and said, that's going to be my pillow. And what I see the Lord telling us today about this is that something that would not normally be used for an activity like sleeping, somehow in the presence of God, not only gives the ability to sleep, but gives you the ability to sleep well and to rest well. And so when we learn this, the stone represents Jesus. How do I know this? Let's go to this next passage. Stone, let's go right here first. We'll write this down. Stone aid to his rest. The stone gave aid to him being able to rest. And this is what I kind of threw in my head as I was reading. Going to the next slide, Caleb. Come to me, all you who are, who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. rest the stone. You remember Jesus, he said, he said, this is the stone that the builders rejected. This is a stone, living stone, cornerstone. And he says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Just like Jacob used the stone to find rest. Anybody in here need rest today? Like I do, okay? And it's okay to admit, isn't that the hardest thing to admit? Let Let me speak to a certain demographic of people here. Mothers. And nanas, we'll go nanas. But I figure if you're a nana, you've probably already been a mother. So I felt like it would work, you know? (laughs) You need more rest. (laughs) This is a subject that is really hard for you to broach with other people. Because for some reason, mothers have this innate thought that I can't get tired. And if I am, I don't need to tell anybody. And, and even when it, when, when, But when that happens, you also lose the ability to find rest if you can't even talk about rest. You also lose the ability to receive rest because you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. Kids, kids, always kids, kids everywhere. H- wife, husband everywhere, husband everywhere, right? You got to take care of everybody. Let me tell you something. Mothers in this room, let me tell you something. Go to the stone that the builders rejected and get rest with him. Your kids and your family need a rested mom. Need a rested mom. But Danny, you don't understand, I can't get it. Look, five minutes with Jesus is rest enough if you let him. But the problem is you're not spending time with the stone. You're not spending, you're trying to find rest in other areas. If I could just catch me a 30-minute cat nap while the kids are asleep, yes, this is it. But that doesn't ever really help, does it? You ever notice that? When you're that exhausted, sleep really doesn't help much. Isn't that weird? Think, man, I figured this would help. No, you wake up probably crankier, you know? At least I do. I don't take naps because if I go to sleep for 20 minutes and someone, I have to get back up, mm mm-mm. I don't do well the rest of the day. And moms, you're just like that. Let me encourage you, find rest in Jesus today. Husbands, I ain't gonna tell you to rest. You keep working, okay? (laughs) Y'all just keep on working, okay? We'll rest later, okay? Because we do rest at nighttime. Look, I'll tell you something, my wife, she's, I'm a light sleeper, but my wife, when my kids are sick, there is no sleep for her. I'll roll over in my, it's it's the scariest thing in the world to roll over in the middle of the night and look beside you and see your wife like this. (laughs) You know, you're like, uh, you need to go to sleep, okay? You need to go to sleep. And she tells me, she goes, but I can't, my babies are sick. My babies are sick. I, got, I can't say me, you, men. I don't know if y'all have ever had babies. Okay, crying baby. Mm-mm. I'm the lightest sleeper in the world. Do you know what I slept through? Crying babies. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's not a joke. That's a real story. My wife gets so mad at me. She's like, "You wake up when I breathe wrong at night." But then my kids laying at the foot of the bed screaming. <laughs> I think it's a gift that God gave us, guys. I really do. Don't begrudge it. All right. Don't get mad about it. Okay. Okay. Enjoy the rest, all right? Enjoy the rest, guys. That's all I'm saying. I still like that part. I'm just kidding. Get up up and hold that baby, all right? Get up and hold that baby, amen? But if we we understand and we can see in here that Jesus is the stone, and for some reason, somehow, a stone can aid in your rest. And then I want you to hold on to that because we're gonna come back to that in just a few moments. Let's go to another season, another scene, if you would, Joshua chapter four. So we have a stone... That aids in rest. He aids us to be able to rest in him. Then we come to this stone. When all nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe of man, and command them saying this, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. Let me give you a little history lesson real fast. What had just happened is the Israelites had walked over, the sea had parted, right? The Jordan rivers had parted. They had walked through the water and the priest stood out in the middle of the water as the children passed by, almost as an example of the Spirit of God standing in the middle holding the water back so that you could walk through on dry ground. And so, but before the waters collapsed, after everybody went by, the Lord told Joshua, He said, Go tell twelve men of the tribes of Israel to go back, grab a stone from where they were standing. Grab a stone from the middle of the river where the priests were standing. Bring them out, and I want you to do this. Listen to what he says. From the very place where the priest's foot started firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in a place where you lodge tonight. Again. Rocks and sleeping, they're every. It's crazy how it works like that. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone up under his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? What do they mean to you? Oh, don't we like that right there? I love that extra there. When your kids ask you, hey, mom, what does this mean to you? Hey, dad, what's this mean to you? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you thought about that today? What does today mean to you? What does Jesus mean to you? What does the rock mean to you? And this is what he says. When, then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. These stones will be a memorial. And I begin to think, okay, so one stone was used to rest. The other one was used to remember. One stone was used to rest. The other stone was used to remember. And then I begin to think, what do we remember about today, this week? There is a symbol that we remember, that when, when, we, when, we, when we look at it, it's automatic I know what that is. I automatically know when I see the cross, I know what it means. That's, that's my, The stone was on that piece of board, and I remember what today means. And then I begin to think of this question. The Lord asked me, what are you putting in your life? What stones are you putting out to help you remember what God's done for you? And so I want to be transparent, maybe give you a little idea of what you can do when you get home. Maybe even right now. There's a day in my life that forever changed my life. Okay, there's a couple days. I don't want to leave my wife out. My anniversary. Okay, you go back. That one's a day that changed my life forever too. But there was a specific day three years ago, October the 20th, 2019. That day, oh my gosh, it will forever stand in my brain. And what I have done a long time ago is two things to help me never forget that day. One, you'll hardly ever see me without this specific Bible. It's just the one that I don't know what it is. Anybody got a favorite Bible like that? I do. This one's it, right? And so I use it all the time. And in it, in the front of my Bible, I wrote, October 20th, 2019, God changed my life forever. Always remember what God did. I wrote it in my Bible. And then, but before I had done that, you will never see me without my phone, ever. It is either in my back pocket, in my car, or my kids got it somewhere. But what I did is there's a notes app on here. And inside one of the notes, it just says personal. And in that note, it says October 20th, 2019. Remember what God did for you. And so when I go to open my notes to do anything, I see it right there. When I open my Bible, I see it right there. Why? So that there's never a day that goes by that I don't see that stone, that I don't see the stone where God pulled me out of the middle of the water, where God delivered me and changed my life, where things have never been the same. I set up a stone of remembrance. What are you doing in your life to put stones in your life that help you remember what God brought you from? Why is that important? Because when I see that day, but I'm facing a new day of trouble, if I can remember where that stone is and I can go back and say, wait a minute, God did this October 19th, 2000, October 20th, 2019. If he did it then, he can do it now. If he did it then, he could do it now. And so if I could but remember, and he told me this is the saddest thing. My people have the shortest memories. God can move in your life today change you, set you free, and in a week, if someone does you wrong or things don't go the way you want it, you forget. You just forget. You just forget. But what can you do to stop that from happening? Put a stone. Put a stone right there. Say, uh-uh, I'll never forget this. You know, I went to, we went to a Pigeon Forge last week, or a couple weeks ago, me and my wife did for our anniversary, and there was this really cool place. I've never seen it before. It's near the old mill barn, and this guy takes big, huge rocks and etches stuff in them and then paints them. And just I was like, man, this is pretty awesome. Some of them are huge. Some of them are little. Some of them are uh, medium-sized. You can get whatever you want, except for UT. They got a couple of them. I took all of them out and threw them away for them. I said, you don't need these no more. You can get rid of those. Just use your gator ones. You'll be happy. Amen. Celebrate Jesus. Amen. Some of y'all need that in your yard to remind you of what a winning team looks like okay just saying just saying just saying anyways but but they had all these stones and I almost in that moment I'm not lying to you we were walking around we were having a great time I almost in that moment got a stone and asked the guy to etch that date in there for me because God had already put this message on my heart and I was like man I'd like to do that I didn't do it but I was going to because I thought how cool it would be to put it right there in front of my house to where every time I walked through the door, hey, remember, son, remember that day you thought your life was over and you were going to church just to see somebody else get baptized because you weren't going to church anymore, but you went because you wanted to support somebody else. And in that day, when you didn't even think about it, you were sitting in your seat and the stone that was rejected you encountered him. Your mess met that stone. And man, God changed me in such a way. I couldn't walk. They were doing baptisms and I couldn't even walk to the baptismal because I I knew God told me, you need to go. You need to go. And I'm like, I've already been baptized. I've I've been a pastor. Why am I going to get baptized again? He said, no, you need to do it again, son. So I felt that pressure, and I began to try to walk to the thing. And, man, I had to stop several times and sit down because I couldn't even walk. And then they opened up the baptistry, and I began to step up into that baptistry. And with each step, I felt things breaking off of me. So when I tell you that October 20th, 2019, forever changed my life, man, there were things inside of me I didn't even know had a hold of me. I didn't even realize I was dealing with until I came out and I felt everything gone. And that's why I have to put this stone and say, hey, don't forget this day, buddy. Because when you look out there and you see people who are lost and dying, you can know that that same thing can happen to them because it happened to you. Helps me minister with confidence. So when you look at this, there was a stone that was memorial for them so they'd never forget what Jesus did to them. Now I wanna go to my last one. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If not, you can just look up here. It'll be right there for just a second. Go on to the next one, Caleb. Right there. (laughs) Little bitty David. Little bitty David. He says this, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the book and put him in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand And he approached the Philistine. Now, I don't feel like I need to give too much context to this story. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what I'm talking about here. David fighting Goliath. But before he went to fight his enemy, he did what? He went into the river and grabbed five stones, put them in his pouch. Now, he was only fighting one dude. But history teaches us that Goliath had four brothers. So David was like, all right, I'm going to kill this dude, and I'm going to go kill the rest of his friends or his family, kill all of them, get get rid of the enemy. And so we see David, which if you understand David, David is the Old Testament lesser version, a foreshadowing of Jesus, right? And so he's there to fight the enemy, and he uses the stone as a weapon. A stone is a weapon. There's a song that we listened to before the service started called uh, Dead Man Come Out of That Grave, and it says this, that there's a sling in my praise and a stone in my song. And he talks about that. It was just one of the beautiful, one of, a beautiful picture of what I'm trying to get across to you. Is that, that you have this stone in you to use as a weapon. David used it. But the thing about a weapon, the thing about a weapon is this, church, is that it could either be used correctly or misused. The same stones that David used to kill the enemy was the same stones that the world used to kill Stephen. In Acts chapter uh, 16. So you could take a stone and you could use it against the enemy or you could take a stone and use it against someone else. And here's what I believe firmly in my heart, that we have lived through generations and generations of people using the stone to hurt other people instead of attack the enemy that's killing them. We live in a world where the church is more concerned about using the stone to get you right and to get you right, even if it destroys you, instead of using the stone to destroy the enemy. So we have all these things at our disposal. We have the stone to use as a weapon, but we end up using it as a a way to hurt other people. And Jesus is like, That's not me. That's not me. I'm the living stone. I'm not here to hurt you. And see, isn't that sometimes how we look at Jesus? He may not physically hurt us, but it's like, no, he's gonna ask me to do something that I don't wanna do, and that'll hurt. I don't want to do that. But he's not here to hurt anybody. He's here to offer hope. Look, you may be living in a world right now and in a season of your life right now where all you see is hurt. All you feel is hurt. You wake up hurting because of what someone did to you or because of what you've done. Amen. Everybody knows that I can do stuff to hurt myself just as good as anybody else can. In fact, I'm a lot better. <laughs> I'm pretty skilled at hurting my own self. But then I gotta remember that's that's not that's not what Jesus does. That's not what that's not what I'm supposed to do. Like when someone makes me mad, I don't need to hurt them because they anger me. I don't need to hurt someone. I need to find a way to use my stone to hurt the enemy because the enemy's the one who's really coming after me. The enemy's the one who's really trying to attack me. The enemy is the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. That you aren't. I'm not. But we see all these stones and we're like, I got to do something with them. And we wind up slinging them in the wrong direction. But if we could take the stone, if we could take the stone and we can aim it in the right way, man, we could destroy the enemy. Some of you are like, not with a stone, not with a slingshot. I talked about this a long time ago, man. Like the slinger, they called them slingers. They were just as important in the infantry as archers were. Like, they were extremely skilled. Like, David didn't have this little thing that he pulled back and shot like we do. You know, like, I used to make them in school. I don't know if anybody did that. Maybe y'all weren't troublemakers, but, like, I would take the, the back of a chair, and I'd take a rubber band and stretch it from chair to chair. Then I'd shoot things out. I got in trouble, but it's okay. I growed up, all right? I growed up real well, okay? Don't talk real well, but that's all right. But that's not what David had. David had a sling, not a sling shot. It was a huge piece of leather that they would take and put the stone in, and they would whip it around so fast that it would hit. It would have the comp- the, the impact of a nine millimeter gun. That's, that's, that's going all right. That's moving, okay. And that's why it's so important that we don't misuse the stone, because if we sling like that and we sling in the wrong direction, it not only can hurt someone but it can destroy them. And they will never make it back. They'll give up because ha, I got hit. I was collateral damage in someone who wasn't paying attention to what they were doing with the stone that God gave them. They were just ready to sling it and go and look good while they did it. They didn't care where it landed. But you know, you look at Jesus' life, the same people that other people wanted to stone, wanted to use the weapons against them, he stepped in and said, no, nah, no, nah, not today. In fact, let me make it to where you all remember what you've done, and then you drop those stones and you walk away. You see, Jesus had no time for someone who misused the stone. So church, let's be careful that we don't misuse the stone. And I, I'm talking about Jesus. We can misuse Jesus. We can misrepresent Jesus to the lost and dying world and they'll never come back. But man, if you would but love them, use the stone the way that he would have you to use. Joshua, if you want to come, man, we're about to finish up. I want to go to this next passage. Second Peter, or first Peter, sorry, keep going. Keep going. No, go forward, sorry, not backwards. Keep going. That's Joshua. Yep, right there. First Peter chapter two, verse five. Now I read over this pretty quickly because I wanted to come back. I didn't want y'all being those national treasure people, jumping ahead and knowing my ending. I wanted to breeze through it so we could come back to this. It says as you, everybody say Me. Me. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. Now, wait a second. It just said Jesus was the living stone. Now it's saying we're living stones. Wait a second. Okay. Do you see the shift of responsibility here? Do you see the shift of focus here? Let's look at Jesus, because he's the stone. He's the big stone, right? He's the big, big stone. But you, you're a little stone. You're a living stone, just like him. And so what the Lord told me is like, hey, you have a responsibility. You look at me and say, hey, Jesus can aid in your rest. If you would come to Jesus, he'll aid in your rest. He'll give you rest like you've never had before. You come to Jesus... You look to Jesus, let him be the memorial. Remember him. Come to Jesus, look at him. He's the living stone. He's the weapon. He fights your battles, all those things. But then he comes to this and says, you are a living stone. So wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm, wait a second. Now that, that makes me feel like I got something on me. I got responsibility here. I got. I got, I got something I gotta do. I can't just sit back and let other people find their way. I got to help them, right? So what do I need to do? So let's go to this next slide. I want you to write this down because it's so good. Go on one more. We are to be this. Same five words. Sure. Sure in what? Our hope. Our hope. Be sure in your hope. You know, because the word hope isn't the same thing we use. Like I hope my team wins tomorrow. Or I hope the weather's nice tomorrow. No, the biblical kind of hope is this confident expectation that it is what it's supposed to be. I have a sure hope in me. And what does the Bible say? A sure, steadfast anchor for my soul. And so wait a second, am I supposed to help that? Am I supposed to be that for other people? Am I supposed to be something that people can hold on to when their storms start getting rocky? Yeah, we want them to hold on to Jesus, but also I want to be right there saying, hey, grab his hand, I got you. Grab his hand. I'll be your anchor. I'll be the anchor until you can get back on your feet. Grab me, I'm sure, because I'm attached to the real anchor. I got you. We'll go through this. Firm, firm in your faith. Ah, You see, David, see, Jesus said this about Abraham. He said that he was considered a friend of God why because he wavered not at the promises of god his faith did not shake and move at every little opportunity i ask you a question have you ever been in your life maybe you're in a season right now to where it seems like one day your faith is so strong that you can believe god for miracles the next day you wonder where he's at is he even real does he even love me does it even work anymore Did everything stop? Because I hear people preaching about this movement of the Holy Spirit and power and miracles and signs, but I'm not seeing it. Is it over? Is it done? You can go one day to the next because your faith is fickle. Be firm in your faith. Oh, steadfast in love. Oh, that's the biggest commandment of all, right? He said, hey, there's 10 of them, but I'll give you two more. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second one's just like it. Love others. you love yourself be steadfast in your love don't let people's actions rob you of love oh my gosh that's the saddest thing in the world You you ever met somebody or God forbid maybe you are that person where at one point you just loved everybody Man, it was just like, love you and love you and love you and love you. Yes, I love all y'all. And you run around and you're hugging and you're you're just like, man, this is awesome. Fast forward a couple years later, maybe a couple months later, life's messed you up. People have hurt you, walked away from you. You've lost track of all your faith, all your hope. And the next thing you know, you don't love anybody. You're like, mm-mm. Someone comes in to give you a hug and you're Lost that love, you're not steadfast in it more, right? Anymore, you just, you just, uh, uh, people, people, people are bad. Okay, we can all accept that because I, I know I'm bad, right? Y'all understand that, right? Like, y'all ain't looking at somebody who's good. Y'all looking at a pitiful sinner who just happened to be uh, blessed by the fact that God saved me and redeemed me by his marvelous mercy. Like, I, this dude ain't good. But, but, but I know one who is. And if he can love me, regardless of if I'm good or not, man, you better bet I better love people regardless of whether they are or not. Be steadfast in love. Be strong in prayer. Oh, be strong. You, you, you want to you rejuvenate yourself a little bit? You want to get some strength back in your life? Because right now, maybe you feel like every wind that comes through just blows you around. You ever feel like that in your life? Doesn't matter what's happening. There isn't, there's nothing. You ain't holding on to nothing. You You ain't strong enough to stand up. I'll tell you something. Quickest way to get your strength back is to begin to pray. You begin to talk to the Lord you begin to tell him what's going on. And simply just getting out some of that stuff, you'll find that your legs get a little stronger. Your faith gets a little stronger. That love gets a little stronger. That hope gets a little stronger. Faith and love and hope all get their strength from your prayer life. If you're waning in any of those, pray. Pray. I have, I have no doubt in my life that that's exactly how you can get your strength back. And then the last one, be resolute in your convictions. Oh, don't let anybody come and change you what God's trying to get you to do. Hey, man, the world would try to put things in ways that you'll start to lower your convictions. You're like, well, wait a minute. If, if I, man, if I, if, I, if I love them, I'm just gonna let them do whatever they want. I ain't gonna say nothing because love is just letting anybody do Whatever. Man, you do know how I love my kids? I don't let them do whatever. I just don't. But, Dad, I want to. Nope, you ain't doing that. You don't want me having no fun. What? Yes, I do. In fact, I really enjoy you having fun. But, you know what, Dad knows? That knows that that might be fun for right now, but the least little slip of that or, or the, le- the, the the moment you don't pay attention, or it, you're, there's danger on the other side of that little bit of fun. So if I don't love my kids, I'm just gonna let them do whatever they want to. Get on the roof and run across, that's fine. Now, now looking back, I'm kind of starting to see maybe my parents didn't love me as much as I love my kids. Because my dad would put me on the roof. And if you know me, I'm as clumsy as you could ever be. I roll my ankles walking sideways. Like, it's very bad. I was playing a game of ping pong and injured my leg. I don't even know how that's possible. And yet my dad would be, hey, son, get up on that roof. What? Yeah, get on up there. You'll be fine. (laughs) Okay. You know what I've done? I fell through the roof twice. I fell through the floor of a house once, busted everything out. I just, hey, but I'm still here. All right, I got a few cricks, but it's all right. All right, we'll be all right. But love is not simply letting anybody do whatever without telling them, hey, 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 there's a chance I could hurt you. Love is grace and truth. Love is grace and truth. So don't let anybody try to tell you you gotta lower your standards or your convictions for someone else. Hold firm to what isn't that what it teaches us? Hold on to those things that you learned as a child, lest at any moment they should slip through. No one do that, do we? And then I begin to think the last three points, and we're gonna finish up. Go ahead with me. These rocks. It doesn't make much sense to be a pillow. We see a pillow. We see a reminder. And we see a, a weapon. And I believe this. We are to be an aid to others' rest, not their stress. That's a misuse of the, of the stone. You see, instead of laying other people on, underneath someone and helping carry that, we lay on top of other people trying to crush them. A reminder of God's goodness, not man's failures. Man, I pray that my life at the end of the day, yeah, some of y'all know me well enough to see my mistakes, and that's fine, all right? But I hope to God at the end of my life, I've aided more people in seeing God's goodness than seeing my failure. man, man, I hope that's what I do. I hope my kids who see me every day, they see everything, good and bad, unfortunately, a lot of the times. Heck, I'm gonna go deeper than that. I hope my wife, at the end of the day, who she has seen the worst of me, I'm hoping by some chance, maybe, just maybe, at the end of my life, there will be more of their memories of me showing them God's goodness than me showing them man's failure. And I hope to God I teach them how to use this weapon against the enemy and not one another. Oh my gosh, let us love people. Young kids in school, man, don't, don't let anybody convince you that stay away from them. Stay away from them. That, that's, no, don't, don't be seen over there. Man, I remember growing up in school and I was never the most popular kid. I know it's hard to believe, but that's... just never was the most popular kid. But there was way too many times in my effort to try to be that I left people over here alone hurting because I thought, man, if I go over there, I will just validate what people think about me. I'll be the nobody too. But then I also realized now that it was futile of me to try to be them either because I was never them, Stan. I was never going to be them. But I ended up, I ended up being the wrong kind of person at that age. So, so no matter where you're at, even at work. Look, I'm 35 years old, and I've worked in many different places. You know what's crazy? Is that the same attitudes and mentalities of high school permeate the workplace, even as adults. You got your in crowd, who the people and the managers love. You got your people over here that don't get, don't get recognized, and people leave them out there because maybe they look different. Maybe they talk different. Maybe they don't drive the right kind of cars. And so you immediately are like, hmm, at a distance. But then we look at Scripture and this whole whole season is about saying, hey, Jesus going, hey, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you've done, come, come to me, come to me. And so I'll close with this. How have we been made into living stones? How? How how, how are, how are we stones now? Can I take you to one more stone? Just one more. Just one more stone. It's a pretty big stone. It's a pretty big stone. But it was laid in front of a tomb. And you know what this stone represents? A barrier. A barrier. Keep God in there. Keep men out here. Oh, we're going to finish strong today. This stone was a barrier to keep God in, but to keep men out too. Like, hey, they said, let's put a big stone here so that these disciples can't get in and steal the body and then claim Jesus arose. But they were also scared. They were also scared of the other thing. Maybe if we put a big enough stone, Jesus can't come out. Maybe if the stone's big enough, Sister Ruth, Jesus can't move the stone because all they seen was the fleshly man. And to their eyes, he was weak. The Bible says he was nothing to look upon. And they thought, hey, let's put a bigger stone just in case, you know. Maybe he's country strong, you know. You ever met those people? You look at him, you're like, man, they ain't that strong. And then they got like three bells of hay in each arm just walking like this. (laughs) Yeah. Throw it up in the roof. All right, we're good, you know. So maybe they thought there's a chance he's like that. So let's put the big stone in front of it. For a barrier. So God stays in and man stays out. I begin to think about this. I've given you three stones. To be like, be someone dressed, be a safe place for somebody, be a soft place for people to land, be a weapon, be a weapon, Be, be somebody who fights for somebody, be someone else's weapon. You know, there's times in my life I was too weak to fight for myself. There's a time in my life where I didn't feel like I was worth fighting for. I was texting a friend. I said, you don't realize that at that time in my life when I didn't feel like I was worth fighting for, I didn't want anybody to fight for me. The simple fact that you guys loved me and stood with me and loved on me and helped me. You fought for me when I couldn't. You were my weapon. And I didn't even know I needed it. So be a weapon. Be a memorial for people be set in a place where people walk by and say, I remember who they used to be. To me, I have, a, I have someone else who is a memorial for me every day of my life. Every day of my life, I have somebody that I walk by and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember where you were i remember who you were and now i'm looking at you and you're out in the open you came out from the middle of the river and god has set you out somewhere so that when people walk by they're like hey what does mean to you let me tell you what it means to me and that person is my little sister and every day i get to look at her and say that's my stone. That's my memorial. I have seen in the life of somebody else that they were jumped up, messed up, and now they're standing worshiping and praising and being hope for somebody. Could you be somebody's memorial? But when I got to this stone, I said to the Lord, I said, God, do not ever let me be that stone. I gave you three to be. I will give you one not to be. Don't be the tombstone. Don't be the one to be the barrier between God and someone else. Don't you do it. Don't you dare do it. Don't let other people position you to be the barrier either, because that's what people will do to you. If they're the barrier, they'll be good at putting you in places to make you the barrier, to make you something that people can't quite see Jesus around you. Let me tell you something, don't be that stone. And then I finished last night with this. I I was at my little table. I was sitting there. I was thinking about the fact that I'm going to see a bunch of new people today and that my whole family was going to be with me today. And, uh, when God brought me to that point, I sat there and I, my, my wife and kids were in the bedroom and my wife had told the kids, leave daddy alone. He needs time. And, uh, so thankful for a wife like that. She knew the weightiness of today for me personally. Um, Sitting there and the Lord brought me to that point. And this is how I finished my prayer, my time with Jesus. I said, God, one, please don't ever let me be that stone. To where my attitude, my actions, my speech become a barrier for others to not see you for who you are. But if, I finished like this, I said, but if I do, if I ever become that. Would you do what you did 2,000 years ago? Would you just roll me out of the way? Because maybe I'm not able to do that. But God, would you just roll me out of the way so that not only they can see you, but so you can get to them without me being the hurdle? Because my God, My Jesus said, there is a boulder in the way of man and me. There's a barrier there called sin. And I got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it. You see, they didn't realize that that stone that they thought was so big, they thought that it was immovable. But you know, back before they had tools like we do now, the jackhammer and the dynamite to blow up stones, do you know what they used to crush rocks? Bigger rocks. They would take bigger rocks and use it to crush smaller rocks. See, the enemy didn't know that even though they thought that rock was big, It was about to come in contact with a much bigger rock, a much bigger stone that it didn't have a chance to stay standing where it was when it encountered that rock. And that rock came down and crushed the enemy. That rock came down and defeated death, hell, and the grave. That rock came down and made a way for you to get to Jesus. That rock was your rest, your weapon, your memorial, and he separated the means that was in front of you to keep you away from him. That rock did that for you.